Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 30, Wrestle War 1989. Music City Showdown. Where's Music City Showdown? It's Nashville, Tennessee. Of course. Why wouldn't it be? That's Music City. So this is the first Wrestle War produced by the WCW under the NWA banner. Is this the first Wrestle War in general? Yes. Okay. It was held on May 7th, 1989 at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Kind of makes sense there. Mm -hmm. The attendance, 5,200 people. So just 100 people less than... Yeah, just a smattering this. But it's clash. probably a much smaller venue, I'd imagine. It is a much smaller venue. It looks a lot smaller. And it is pretty well lit, from what I remember. Which I do like a nice, well lit show. So, we mentioned last episode that the pay-per-view war was over, you know, at least for now. Yeah. But, I mean, the pettiness. But the pettiness between the two companies continued. The WWF actually booked a house show at the auditorium the night before, and all of their matches went incredibly long, so the crew was delayed in being able to set up for the show. Is that true? That's so fucking whack. Who knows if... no? Vince will probably never be like, oh, I totally did it on purpose. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's what it takes to do the show. We're both but, you know, if... You know, you can't get in to, to start setting up your show until 2 or 3 in the morning, then, you know, that... That sucks for your crew, basically. Yeah, that's weird. I hope that's not true, but who knows? Who knows? I guess before we get started, I'm going to talk about this Wrestle War logo. Talk about it, bro. There's people wearing these Wrestle War t-shirts throughout this whole show, and you know they were just probably gave them to them. Yeah. And I would love to have one, but I'm sure if they if there's one out there, it's probably like $400 on eBay or something. I looked and I could not find one. Yeah, I looked as well. I couldn't find one either. But I'm sure if it exists, it's going to cost a pretty penny and uh, be worn the fuck out. Because there were probably like white free shirts that they gave out for people to sit in the crowd and wear. But it is of motherfucking banjo. It's a banjo. Yes. And it's got like spikes around the whole like the like snare, the, the center part of the banjo, yep. the circular part of the banjo. And then there's spikes at the top of the banjo, like uh, there's the neck and then there's the head where the strings, you know, go and there's the tuners to tune the instrument. And there is the spikes. Tuners are spikes. The tuners they? are spikes as yeah. well. And then there is a chain that goes like basically you're like a guitar strap or banjo strap. And there's a chain that like waves its way around to the top from like the bottom of the banjo to the top and it is the like trashiest most amazing thing and it looks like like some like crummy like you know like crust folk punk like street kids like logo except for it's not it's for wrestle war in nashville tennessee and uh i don't know if i could love it any more than i do because it it's, is just it's, it's like a really good logo. yeah it's like 
if uh, the Road Warriors started a bluegrass band, this is their banjo. Yes. And it's great. <laughs> and yes. I like that. I like that about it. So other things that were happening around May 7th, the movies Earth Girls Are Easy and See No Evil, Hear No Evil are both released into the theaters the same week. I've seen See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Pretty good. There's a lot of good moments in there. I like a nice physical comedy. It's uh, Richard Pryor and, and Gene, Gene Wilder, Wilder, right? Yeah, yeah. They're great together. Yeah, they do a couple of movies together, and I know I've seen a couple of them. They were these were the, these, this movie's on television a lot, so yeah. it's like, eh. like I've seen it probably all the way through once, but like caught lots of it, you know, back in days when people had cable. But Earth Girls Are Easy is a movie that has a pretty amazing cast, and I've only ever seen parts of it. And I don't know why I've never watched the whole thing. I really like Earth Girls Are Easy. I'm it's, sure, a, it's a yeah, really fun it's, movie. It's Jim Carrey, Gina Dave, Davis, Gina Davis, Damon Wayans. Yeah. And who's the other? Oh, and Jeff Goldblum's the other yeah. end, right? Jeff Goldblum's the other. There's some heavy hitters. Some is, quality, quality is people it, in the movie. I guess that's is that pre or post Fly? Did the Fly come out the same year? Is there a Del- Fly is is there a, after? No, Fly was right before early eighties. I thought mm, mid eighties. Maybe I'm a a pretty big Cronenberg fan, but I don't know the year that it came out. Uh, but it's Gina Davis. But it's Gina Davis and and you know. Fly is 1986. Okay, wow, it's earlier than I thought. I figured it would be around this time. Fly is a great and disgusting fucking movie. It's great. It's gross. It's just the the gore is grosses me. Out. I know when I first watched the Fly because I'm not a huge horror, horror movie yeah. guy. I was not looking forward to it, but then when I watched I was just like, this is amazing. Yeah, it's it's absolutely great. I love Cronenberg. It's not my favorite Cronenberg, but it's definitely up there. There's a scene where he's in the mirror, and he like is turning, or whatever, slowly into a fly-esque creature. Spoilers for Spoilers. a movie that's uh, 20, 20 <laughs> yeah. 33 years but old. But he like, is in the mirror, and he like squeezes his finger, and pus squirts out of his finger onto the mirror, and just thinking about it makes me want to fucking vomit. <laughs> Uh, and that's not even the grossest thing that happens in the movie, but for some reason that moment is like my biggest takeaway from that movie, and it really gets under my skin. And then we also had a birthday. I found out that Nikki Cross, one of WWE's women wrestlers mm-hmm. in 2019, uh, yeah. was born actually a few weeks prior to the show. Yeah, finally, so. finally, kind of started to find her place on the main roster as a tag partner of Alexa Bliss. Didn't they bring up her whole like crew, and then like the whole crew left? Well, they brought up the whole crew, left her in NXT. Oh, and brought her up. And, and then, then brought her up, and, and then, she's actually probably been the most successful. Well, yeah, didn't on they, the did they scan the rest of them? Where did they all go? No, Eric Young's still there, but Alexander Wolf is now in NXT UK, and Killian Dane's back on NXT, so. Okay. Wow. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Killian Dane is probably my least favorite wrestler to look at, which is very rude to say, but his hairline and his fur is too much for me. Okay. That's all. That's all. It's not nice. I'm body shaming. You are body shaming. <laughs> Let's move on to the show itself. Music starts playing with pictures of participants and matches. And we find out Eddie Gilbert and Rick Steiner are going by the first family. Mm-hmm. And the Oak Ridge Boys has a, are shown. No clue why. Uh, well, they... But we'll find oh, out yeah. why. Okay, okay. It's like, wait, I know why. Then the I watched lo- the show, Matt. Then the logo comes on the screen that you love. And we have Jim Ross and Bob Cottle who welcome us to the show. 
And then the Oak Ridge Boys sing the national anthem. Yep. Makes total sense. Uh, that one Oak Ridge b- boy, it looks like his mustache is fake. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It looks like a really bad like soap opera Did you ever listen mustache. to any Oak Ridge Boys? No, I didn't grow up with any country music at all. I had one of their Christmas albums. Oh, yeah. You're a Christmas... Or, or, I, guess are you, my, or I guess my parents. You're a Christmas music guy, aren't you? I love Christmas music. You're one of two people I know that like Christmas music a lot. There's a couple of songs I like, but they're not traditional Christmas songs. I mean, my favorite two Christmas songs aren't traditional Christmas songs, so... What do you got? Uh, Switchfoot has a song called Evergreen. <laughs> what? This doesn't count. I and, guess the ones I would say don't count either. And a band called Reliant K has a oh, song yeah? called... I celebrate the day. That's weird that they're both like Christian rock bands. Nineties Christian. Yeah, I know I'm, that's your I'm thing. kind of like. It's so funny because that was it's just what a, I grew up with. It's just a thing that I Christian know rock, nothing so. about. I do know the the Ryan K had the Sadie Hawkins dance song. I know that song. Yeah, but my favorite Christmas song is Christmas Rapping by the Waitresses. Oh yeah, that's a great one. That, that's my probably my favorite. And then like, there's the Wham tune. Oh yeah, yeah. What, last Christmas, yeah, Last Christmas. But then my other one would be uh, the Ramones song, uh, "Merry Christmas." I don't want to fight tonight. But like the waitresses is hands down my favorite Christmas song. It's not like it's like like songs that are Christmas themed. What's your What's your favorite traditional Christmas song? I don't know. I'd have to think too long to figure it out. I mean, mine's Holy Night. Really? Yeah. I don't know what mine would be. But moving on from Christmas, maybe songs. like Rudolph. Why not? We'll go with Rudolph for now. Rudolph's good. We or think, um, White Christmas. So White Christmas is probably my favorite. White Christmas is a good one as well. So we actually... Anyway, it's not... We're not anywhere near Christmas. I mean, we're... Uh, coming up. We're a couple months off, you know? It's almost time to turn that Christmas music on. There's only so three the, songs I want to hear. So the Oak Ridge Boys, along with singing the National Anthem, they actually perform a eight-song mini-concert... During the intermission of the show, you know it's not on the television, but it's not included on the yeah. network. I'm fine with that. I probably would have heard like one song. I would have. I probably would have been like, uh, just skip that because we're it's not. Like, we don't need. Not, I don't we're need. We're not reviewing. <laughs> yeah. I don't need another thirty minutes on this show. Exactly. Oh, like any wrestling show, it's like thirty minutes. That's not wrestling. Like I'm good. And then we actually get a rundown of the entire card. Yeah, it's is weird. Like I said, they're up in the production, letting you know what's going on starting it's been starting for a while but i feel like it's finally like kicking it so what was the first match supposed to be do you remember <laughs> no on the, on the ring not this one so the first oh, match they, was it jyd see. it was supposed to be jyd yeah, it was supposed to be yeah sorry i didn't know that i didn't i guess i didn't realize this was the first match but it's supposed to be jyd and muda what the fuck was jyd gonna do against muda <laughs> i have no clue That's all i'm saying so the first match ends up being doug gilbert versus the great muda and we all know with that Gary I, Hart that I love junkyard dog but you know what I'm thankful for that junkyard dog didn't show up to the building so he's not in this match yeah because there's no way that he would have done a better job than Doug Gilbert does in this match <laughs> I was just like well, after, yeah. after watching this match I was like what were they going to do with junkyard dog yeah exactly because I was like they said junkyard dog muda and I was like I got excited and I was like wait a second what is junkyard dog gonna do <laughs> like I'm like he's gonna take a handspring mi- back elbow and then he's just gonna like look at is him he's just be gonna like, be like mist and then like a moonsault and that was it <laughs> like I guess uh, whatever we got has got to be better than whatever would have happened well, let's find out what happened alright let me know so muda starts doing his meditation when Gilbert attacks and oh. muda kicks him and goes back 
to his meditation. Hell yeah. We then get a spinning heel kick, tosses Gilbert to the floor, and Muda runs Doug's head into the ring post. Back in the ring, Muda Irish whips Gilbert, goes for a kick, but Doug ducks and comes back with a flying crossbody and a clothesline. Irake, snapmare, power elbow drop, Irish whip followed by a handspring back elbow by Muda. We get a trap hold. Yep. But it's the mouth trap hold thing. We're just like digging the poison into the muscles. But Gilbert escapes, starts running the ropes, and ends up face planting Muda. An irate backbreaker attempts the moonsault, but Gilbert moves. But he lands on his feet. He hits a drop kick to send Doug to the floor. And Eddie Gilbert, hot stuff Eddie Gilbert, has come out to the ring to support his brother. Muda with a Pescado onto Doug, rolls him into the ring, another backbreaker, and hits the moonsault for the pin and the win. It's good. It's good. It's quick. It's a great way to start a show. Did you notice who the ref was? Uh, it wasn't. You know who it wasn't. It wasn't Teddy Long. <laughs> no. But it was Nick Patrick. Oh, okay. Who we'll see more. He becomes the senior ref oh, right. for WCW and then later on for SmackDown as we go through as we go through time. And then Bob Cottle actually as the match is ending, he doesn't get how Muda can blow two different color of mists because he throw he does the green, green and red. That red looks brutal. It looks pretty nasty. And I literally wrote kayfabe baby. Hell yeah. It's boo well doesn't he do the thing where he like presses on his neck? Where it's like it's like he has like a reptile sack. And like, yeah. It's like oh I mean, that's, what, that's the kayfabe I made in my head. It's like, oh, no. So it's, it's like one of those pens that has like all the different colored uh, inks it's in it. It's not food coloring pills at all. And you push the thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the red definitely wasn't. Oh, yeah. I yeah. know what pen Yeah, it's like about. the pen. It's like, oh, no, he's got to hit like this part of his neck for like yellow. Like over here is like the red. <laughs> Lance <laughs> he's got a bunch Russ. of sacks. He's just got a bunch of sacks in his body <laughs> with different kinds of poison. We go to the back. Lance Russell is there with Ric Flair. And this is the first time we've met Lance Russell, and he is actually an NWA and Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer. He was basically kind of the or the voice of Memphis wrestling for oh, okay. a long, long time. So that's why he's he's, he's considered a, yeah. one of the greats. He's, he's a big. He's a, probably a, either a friend or a foe of the King. Probably a friend. <laughs> probably a friend. But I mean, you never know. I imagine that uh, Jared the King Lawler is. Probably turned on a lot of people over the course exactly. of his life. So Flair's being interviewed, and he says he's going to style and profile like never before, and he promises to kiss the boots of the greatest wrestler alive if he can't win. But to be the man, you have to beat the man. And we're off to our second match, Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Ranger Ross. And Ross has some military personnel bring him out from, from the back. Yeah, one of the guys... Uh... Looks like fucking Eddie Murphy. The guy with the glasses on. I was like, holy shit. That guy looks like fucking Eddie Murphy. So the match starts. Rangers running the ropes. Reed with a leapfrog. Ross with a leapfrog. And Butch with a hip toss attempt that is reversed into a hip toss by Ranger. Uh, Ranger Ross is a fit, good looking guy. Yeah, he's pretty good. Like, uh, I mean, Butch Reed definitely is bigger than him. But Ranger Ross is like tall and, and pretty cut. Ross flings Reed from out of the corner and locks on a headlock. Ranger reverses an Irish whip, goes to charge in, but Butch is out of the corner with a clothesline. Hey, look, it's Teddy Long. He's made his way out to the ringside, even though he's not employed. 
The two men inside the ring trade, baby. trade blows back and forth until Ross sends Reed to the ropes, but he ducks his head and gets kicked by Butch. Scoop slam, multiple elbow drops, and a two count for Reed. Camera lingers over long for again for a minute, and he shows he has a visitor's pass, and he's taking notes on a notepad. Butch has a reverse chin lock on and continually puts his foot on the ropes for leverage. Now, I get most leverage spots. Didn't understand this one personally. He is literally just setting his foot on the rope. Uh His knee is still on the mat. Yes. And his foot is on the rope. I gave it a pass because wrestling, but I was like, I don't get it. I was like, what advantage is this providing? The thing is, is the crowd has been conditioned. That foot's on the rope. You're you're cheating. You're cheating. Yeah, we don't know what you're doing. We don't know how to do what you're doing. And I feel like that's probably exactly uh, what he said when somebody was like, yo, dude, that looks kind of silly. And he's like, they're idiots. It's fine. I would say that maybe we were idiots, but in 2019, we're a little we're bit less idiots. idiots. No, we're still idiots, just less idiots. Okay. Le- we're we're like, yeah. Yeah, we're not as big of idiots. Rangers toss to the ropes, ducks a clothesline, leap frogs, and does a European takeover, which was JR's words. <laughs> Sometimes I say stuff like that. And you're like, I don't think that's what that's called, but sure. Karate chops and a pair of drop kicks that sends Reed to the floor. Ross follows out, slamming Butch's head on the apron before rolling him back in. But as Ranger is getting into the ring, Reed kicks him in the head and then brings him into the ring with a vertical suplex. Always good. Butch goes to the top rope, hitting a flying shoulder tackle for the pin and no win. One thing, that Ranger Ross, like, leap over the top rope to the floor. Yeah. Very good. It's very, very good. It's very good. It's very athletic. Ranger Ross looks like a lot of fun. I don't know if he goes on to do anything worth a shit. Probably not. Probably not. But I think that he has potential, and I feel like there's a good amount of potential shown here. Especially with something like that. Where it's like, look at that athleticism. We get to the back. Rick Flair's not doing that. Not that clean. No, Flair's not doing that. No, he's not doing that. He's not going to land it like that. that guy landed it. Headed to the back, Lance Russell's there with Lex Luger. Luger says it's put up or shut up time. Yep. You haven't shown me you can do it on your own. He's talking about Michael P.S. Hayes. Adrenaline flowing, blood pumping, I will walk out the champion. Do you have my favorite line, though? Give me your favorite line. Well, maybe, what were you about to say? Oh, he says, I don't think you got what it takes to take what I got. And I was like, this is, like, who's on first? (laughs) But, like, it makes sense, but it's just, like, you have to, like, double, you have to, you, like, you know... You're like, huh? Double Wait, take. Yeah, double take. And then, like, but when you say it, it makes sense. And when he says it, it makes sense. But then you're like, you say it again, and you're like, huh. I don't think you got what it takes to take what I got, which is a title, of course. And But the way he delivers it, it's all very good, and I like it. Good Luger promo. I, that's better, exactly what yeah, I was like. Yeah. Much better Luger yeah. promo than Man, anything we've seen I so wish far. that I could sing it all, because I would do a... Weird Al type of like you know like thirty eight special like hold on loosely but don't yeah. let go but uh, I would use that wonderful promo line I don't think you got what it takes to take what I got what a, can you imagine that as like a Kansas or a thirty eight special like chorus would be beautiful and uh, I can't sing so I won't sing it to you but just you know take it no, home with you no, that's yeah. It. So we're headed off to our third match, Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch. <laughs> Captain Dick Murdoch's had other names, right? 
I guess. I, I mean, know. I know he's Dick Murdoch. Like, we know his name, but, like, Captain Redneck is not a good name. No. Versus Bob Orton. But with... not Cowboy Bob Orton. Yeah, he was Cowboy Bob Orton in WWF. Oh, I guess so. But he was in NWA before, too. He was, but he was just Bob Orton. Really? Yeah. But in my head, it's just Cowboy because that Cowboy Bob Orton sounds pretty badass. Exactly. Gary Hart's in his corner, and this is a bull rope match. Wake me when it's over. So we haven't seen Murdoch <laughs> since Great American Bash 87. Oh, wow. That's like... Which was a, episode 12. Two years. Because 89 is later yeah. in, this, in, in this 89. Yeah, this, this is 89. 89 we are in right now. And Orton since WrestleMania 3, which wow. was also in 87. So it's been a couple years since we've seen either, either one of these guys on a major pay-per-view show. I mean, this is the kind of match they would be... Uh, they would be doing back in the day. Exactly. So the match starts. Murdoch wraps his hand with the rope to hit Orton before grabbing the bell to pound away. But Bob moves, retaliating with some kicks and elbows. Why bull rope? Why is like something that I would say if this was 1985 or something, 84, because every NWA show would be like every other match would be something like this. Yes. But here I'm like, okay, well this can't last that long. <laughs> Orton goes to the outside, dragging Murdoch with him, but Captain Redneck gets the best of Bob with some right hands. Murdoch rolls back into the ring, pulling on the rope, and Orton is pulled into the ring post. Captain starts whipping Bob with the rope, but Orton comes back with elbows. Bob has the bell now and delivers a blow to the head. Murdoch coming with punches to the gut, takes his boot off, and smashes it over the head of Orton multiple times. The boot throw, boot throwback. I know. <laughs> it's like, okay. And it felt like the boot actually did more damage than the, the cowbell. Yeah. Did it that, that's, that's old school. <laughs> Captain tosses Bob to the corner, hits him with his boot again for a near fall. Orton then Irish whips Murdoch to the ropes and follows him with a big elbow to the head. Bob goes up to the top rope but is dragged back down by Captain Redneck. Murdoch then hog ties Orton's feet with the rope, delivers multiple elbow drops, and gets the pin and the win. Captain Redneck is the alias that I'll have to write my You Don't Got What It Takes song. So post-match, Gary Hart attacks Murdoch. Orton joins in, hitting Captain over the head with a cowbell. Bob with kicks and falling cowbell punches before wrapping the rope around Murdoch's head and then flinging him over the top rope to hang him. It's pretty brutal, but that's like a... I think Dusty did that to... Yeah. To, it, uh, what's his face? Um, totally. Big, Big John Stud, I think? Maybe? No, it was... I think it was Tully. Or Billy... Superstar Billy Graham, maybe. Maybe. I, but there's a, I there's a photo of yeah. like him, and he's and it's the same thing, but it's uh, Dusty. And the person that he's hanging is a much bigger, stronger-looking man. Uh, and it looks pretty brutal. But yeah, this is dark. <laughs> this is dark. So another ref, Byron Scott, actually comes out and begins to try and lift Murdoch so that he doesn't hang... <laughs> And then he starts giving a five count to Orton. Oh, really? Like, maybe, like, maybe Orton. And I'm like, the match is over, and Orton lost. What is that <laughs> going to accomplish? He was, he was in the moment, man. People do weird things in, in uh, times of duress. So Scott gets kicked for his stupidity, and Orton goes back, <laughs> to, goes back to choking Murdoch until the refs finally get the rope out of Bob's hands. Yeah. It was, I'm, I mean, the choking spot was like, oh. This is, it's this pretty is, vicious. Yeah, I mean, that. Yeah, I was like, this This is the NWA that I remember bitching about. 
<laughs> yes, yes. This Except is... for like you know, it's quicker and it's a little bit more physical and like better. Also, it's a better looking show, just oh, because totally. of like you know, uh, money and technological advances and stuff. Billionaire Ted. Oh, big Billy Ted. We're back in the back with Lance Russell and Michael P.S. Hayes and Hayes talking about Luger. You're gonna find out what I got, and I'm gonna do it on my own. Remember this, Lex Luger. If not for people like you, there wouldn't be people like me. And that is the B-side of my 7-inch single (laughs) for I Don't Think You Got What It Takes to Take What I Got. (laughs) And the B-side is (laughs) if it wasn't for people like you, there wouldn't be people like me. And like, I wish that I uh, had a voice and could sing or could do it. I can play guitar enough to like write two songs, but can't sing. Don't really have any vocal stuff. But if I did, I would love to write these two songs. I could write, I guess I could write them with somebody. You could write the so- two songs and then we could find someone to sing. Oh, I have friends I that mean, can do it. I can yeah. sing. I can, oh yeah, there you kind go. Of, sort and of. I'll, we'll, we'll get Dylan Art over here with an acoustic guitar because he, he's pretty good at putting a song together uh, and vocal melodies. You can sing it. I'll write the words. And we'll put it out as a as a odd as a single. As a single. Maybe maybe we can do one of those really tiny CDs. Yeah. Like the little mini CD singles. Like and the, put them in a little packaging. The like two inch CD. But we'll it'll, we'll make a two inch CD. But the we'll put it in the, disc. In the plastic where it looks like a seven inch from like like an old like you know Beach Boy seven inch or something. Yeah. Let's do it. But yeah, those two songs. We'll package it with some of our T-shirts. Yeah. You can put it in the pocket. We'll do the 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 pocket shirt. So we're headed off to our fourth match. We got the Samoan SWAT team of Samu mm-hmm. and Fatu with Paul E. Dangerously versus the dynamic dudes of uh, Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas. And they didn't say their name for a long time, and I was like, okay, who is this? And then like they finally said it, and I was like, that's Matt's guy. I love Shane Douglas. Is he your favorite? No, he's not my favorite. He's one of your favorites. He's one of my Who's favorites. Who's your favorite that Lance Storm's your favorite? Lance Storm, I was like, I was like, Lance Storm and Taz were my two favorites. Okay. That's weird. Uh, I guess you're a big ECW guy. I do love some ECW. Uh, bigger ECW guy than I than I would assume. Yeah, I was like, I was like, is it Shane or is it Lance Storm? I was like, I think it's Lance Storm, but it could be Shane Douglas. I know he likes both of them for a good reason. I do like Shane Douglas though. Speaking of Shane Douglas, he is a hardcore Hall of Famer. Means that he is. is that ma- a, means he's in the twenty three hundred arena in the in Philadelphia. Is that a Tommy Dreamer deal? No, it's uh, it was an ECW thing. Yeah, but Tommy Dreamer's like the ECW arena at twenty three hundred hardcore. These the twenty three hundred right. arena in Philadelphia yeah, is considered yeah. the ECW arena, and they have their own Hall of Fame. And what shows? Booked, I know that uh, New Japan was there recently, but what other all uh, kinds of places like go through there. the um, uh, Evolve ran that oh, show the right night before the pay per view where Matt Riddle faced off versus Drew Gulak. They ran that at the ECW arena. ROH oh. runs there all the time. All right, cool. You know, New, New Japan just ran there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the first time they'd been there. Yeah. People, I just wasn't sure people, if people were still... People run that building. House of Hardcore probably runs it quite a bit, and that's yeah. Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, that's why I was like, ah, oh, that sounds like a Tommy Dreamer thing. But Johnny Ace is John Laranitis, which that name might sound familiar, as he later on becomes like a... General manager, like kayfabe general manager of, I think Raw or SmackDown, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also makes him the brother of Road Warrior Animal, and the stepfather 
of the Bella Twins as he married their mother. Is that why they got into wrestling? Or was she married no, to a wrestler too? I don't know anything about They them. got married in season the, it was season two of Total Bellas. So how did the Bellas or did the Bellas have a wrestling lineage? Uh, not that I know of. I think they really? just were athletic girls that had a good look. And yeah. so they And then Because they actually got into wrestling when wrestling ability wasn't the biggest thing for the women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, post uh, post uh, titles that weren't called didn't have the word diva in them. They were no, pre they, pre they, yeah pre yeah, yeah. Nikki was a divas champion. Yeah, that's what I, I yeah I got that backwards. But you know what I mean. Well, the dudes they come out with skateboards. Yes. Uh, just to let you know, neither one of them knew how to ride a skateboard. It was pretty obvious they were holding them. Like, they, just they, were hold, them. they were holding them like they were dads. And then JR mentions a 1-900 hotline, the wrestling hotline. Anybody else ever call that number? No, I did not. Did you? I didn't. I, I find that a weird thing to do. Have, Have you ever you... called a hotline in your life? No. I remember my... Absolutely not. My sister... <laughs> I remember my sister's, my sister's friend, or she stayed at a friend's house, and like I think they thought it'd be funny to call Miss Cleo, and it cost a lot of money for... The parents and they were very upset. Not my parents. But if I ever called Miss Cleo. I'd be like, "How much is this call, this call going to cost me?" And if she didn't give me the correct amount, I'd be like, <laughs> you lied. Yeah, I want my money back. You, yes. Oh, those commercials were amazing. So Paul E has the Samoans listen to whoever's on the other side of the phone. I wonder if they ever get to that. I'm sure they explained it at some time, but I have decided in my head uh-huh. that the storyline is. Maybe it's the hotline telling them what the finish of the match is going to be. Oh, that's funny. I like that. I was like, mm, that's might as well. Right. I was like, who could their dad be? Match starts. Ace is thrown to the ropes, ducks a clothesline, and delivers a face plant to Fatu. Steps on his foot and hits a scoop slam on both Samoans. Then an arm drag takeover into an arm lock on Fatu. Douglas is thrown into the ropes, ducks a clothesline, jumps on Samu's shoulders, and hits a hurricanrana. Dudes are being dynamic with their tags, quick <laughs> ins and outs. Ace is tossed to the ropes, leaps frogs, Samu, but is super kicked by Fatu. This is a really super cool move. I mean, it's something that we see a lot of now, where someone's like jumping, jumping, and then a, gets super kicked. Oh, yeah, yeah. But something that we don't see that yeah, much yeah. back here. These, these, these are all good guys here. Ace tries a hip toss after an Irish whip, but is blocked by Fatu. Who then delivers a clothesline. Polly jumps on the apron while Ace is down to allow the Samoans time to double team. And the SWAT team keeps working over Ace with chin locks, chokes, and headbutts. Johnny reverses an Irish whip, gives a back body drop, and attempts a drop kick, but Fatu moves. Fatu is holding Ace in the corner from the apron when Samu throws a forearm, but Johnny moves and Fatu is hit. We get a sidewalk slam by Samu, power slam by Fatu, all for near falls on Ace. Samu and SWAT team continue to work over Johnny until he is running the ropes, and Samu ducks his head, and Ace face plants Samu. Johnny's running the ropes again, leaps frog Samu, comes back with a kick, but Samu catches it and turns Ace over into a Boston Crab. I'm liking the Boston Crabs we've been getting recently, just saying. I don't know. Polly all of a sudden grabs a mic and yells, you're as useless as a woman from Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> How to, yeah, that is, that's the that's the good cheap heat, right? I was like, literally, way to go for the cheap heat because nothing in the ring is working. Oh, the match is okay. What are you hating here? 
this match just goes on way too long. It's another SWAT team, SWAT match, team that goes, match. match that goes. We get on that way really good long. drool spot. We get that uh, Samu Samu with the drool spot. You don't like the drool spot? It's disgusting. It's very gross. But they're go they're going in on their on their heel shit. People do like them. I like them, but yeah. they just take yeah. too long to do. Like who's everything. yeah? It's like yeah. The, like I guess none of them have great ring psychology. They're probably the ones putting the match. I mean, I don't know who's putting the matches together. Usually, it's the heels that put the match together. So it would be them, and it's just not a little too long. Yeah, yeah it's not working. There's spots. I don't hate this. Ace but. tries to escape with a kick, but is caught again by Samu. But Johnny drops down for a monkey flip. Ace finally makes it to the corner for the hot, hot tag. tag. Douglas in with drop kicks to both Samoans. Leapfrog Samu as he's running the ropes, but is taken down by a clothesline. Fatu the top rope for a Samoan splash, but Ace makes the save on the pin. Fatu then picks Shane up for a backbreaker, but Johnny comes off the top rope with a missile drop kick to knock them down with Douglas on top yeah. for the pin and, and the, the win. win. You don't like that finish? I like the finish. Oh, okay, the rest of it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just... It, it just... There's something Dra- missing. It drags. Yeah, yeah. It drags. It's, like, like every there's lots of cool like, you know, high spots in here where there's like the moments that are good are good, but they don't really build to the moments. They just kind of happen. Is exactly. that what you're saying? That's yeah. what I. I mean, like, it's completely what I'm the saying. finish. I think was hot. I love the finish. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it saved them. It saved the match for me. But it put it on the okay. I like this match. Lance Russell's back in the back with Luthez, Pat O'Connor, and Terry Funk. They're going to be the judges for Steamboat Flare. In case it goes to time limit, which in my head is like, so this is going to go to time limit, right? That's what I thought. Exactly. Everybody's explaining the criteria they'll be using to judge the match. And then we're off to our fifth match of Michael P.S. Hayes with Hiro Matsuda versus Lex Luger for the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship. The Lex Luger is so stacked at this point in time. I mean, he stays stacked for quite a while, but he is just look, looking crisper and crisper. So, there's a story behind this match. As the last time we saw Hayes, he was doing commentary as a face on Clash of the Champions 6. Mm-hmm. But Hayes and Luger had been in a tag team match against the Wyndham Brothers. But P.S. turned on Lex and joined the Yamasaki Corporation. And that's why he has Hiro Matsuda at, in his corner. And he had also kind of joined up with the rest of the Freebirds in the Yamasaki Corporation. And Gordy had continued to help him win matches, basically. That's the reason why all the promos were about, he can't do it on his own, I'll do it on my own, yada yada, you know, that kind of thing. I don't think you got what it takes. Exactly. To take what I got. So JR says that Hayes doesn't need anybody, but Matsuda still comes out with him. Why Cause, not? Because heels need managers. Exactly. <laughs> Match starts and Luger backs Hayes into the corner. Wants the punching, but the ref gets between them. But Luger's playing to the crowd if he should still hit him. PS is running the ropes, comes off with a flying crossbody. And then Lex tosses Hayes to the ropes, goes for a military press, but PS slips out and hits a side Russian leg sweep. And look who's back out. Good old Teddy Long with his notepad. Hell yeah, Teddy. The two men trading blows until Luger hits a back body drop. Hayes with elbows slams Lex's head into multiple turnbuckles. Hits a flying clothesline and goes for the DDT, but Luger escapes. 
Hayes is running the ropes, goes for a sunset flip, but Lex stays up and punches down. I love that. I always love that. It, it's it's cool. One thing is is why are they they're both wearing like blue gear? It's like ah, I mean that's probably the only gear they had, but I hate it. Like it's one of the things that color in, oh, coordinate guys. I know it's always frustrating. It's like ah, both these guys are wearing. It, it's a little better when they look different enough, like these guys do. P.S. goes for a crossbody, but Luger catches him and delivers a backbreaker. Hell yeah. Lex keeps going back to a wrist and arm lock in between big moves to wear Hayes down. P.S. sends Luger to the corner, follows in with a clothesline, but Lex no-sells, does a double choke hold, and goes for mounted punches. But Hayes counters with an inverted atomic drop that is blocked, and Luger delivers a clothesline, goes for a crossbody that P.S. ducks, sending Lex over the top rope to the floor. Hayes takes advantage, attacking Luger on the floor, ramming his head into the ring post, and brings him back in with a vertical suplex for a two-count. Is there any better way to re-enter the ring than being suplexed into it? Outside of, like, unless you're... I mean, it's unless, probably not the best way. If you're for, not for you, but, like, being a suplexed. more enjoyable way. Like, outside of, like, you know, the guy that was hurt, like, maybe, like, pulling one off of the ropes. But in... Even then, if he like pulled one off of the ropes, then like he's probably gonna probably get the their, their be, knees up. It's probably the best way to be brought back in, but you know, maybe a springboard. Yeah, yeah, springboard. Yeah, maybe but, we'll see that in twenty yeah, years. Yeah, but like the, I just it happens pretty often Quite at this time, often. but I do love it every single time. I never get tired of it. Lex is running the ropes. Hayes goes to hit a big boot, but Luger catches him, spins him around to hit a clothesline. But P.S. counters and hits a bulldog. I love a bulldog too. Hayes tosses Lex out to the floor and begins to distract the ref so that Matsuda can slam Luger's head into the guardrail. We get a scoop slam, jumping elbow drop, falling fists, which lead to multiple pin attempts by Hayes. Hayes thinks he has it won with a killer reverse chin lock, but Lex starts Lugering up, (laughs) blocks and reverses head slams into a turnbuckle, but Hayes catches Lex with a back elbow. P.S. goes for another bulldog, but Luger sends Hayes flying. Uh-huh. Go, goes for mounted punches, a clothesline, multiple military presses, and goes to lift Hayes into the torture rack. But P.S. reverses, hitting the DDT. And like, that's, yeah, the way, it's like, oh, he's really down and out, but he can still do the DDT. Hayes is so fun to watch in this match. Both men trading punches again when Luger throws Hayes to the ropes, which catches the ref. It was a really weak ref bump. I mean, you know, he's a ref. And both men bump heads? Is that, is that what happened? Sure. Lex is knocked to the mat while P.S. falls onto the ropes. All of a sudden, Terry Gordy runs out, pushes Hayes on top of Luger, the ref starts making the count. One. Lex gets his foot on the ropes. Two. But Gordy pushes it off. Three. And new. Michael P.S. Hayes is our U.S. heavyweight champion. Yeah. That's so weird to think that a tag team guy just rolls in and like, I'm going to beat Lex Luger today. Yeah, he's, I, I was thinking that maybe that uh, they were working, they were trying to get it off of him to put Lex back into the heavyweight title. That was my thought when he lost. I, mean, I assumed he wasn't going to lose. Or it shows that anybody could beat anybody. Yeah. Because 
literally if this kind of match happened nowadays, we'd just all be like, yeah, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they, they do. do win. I mean, I love PS. I love Luger, This too. is like Kofi winning the belt. Yeah, why not? I mean, P- Hayes is hot, though. People like Hayes. Maybe not I so much him. now that he's a heel, because yeah. people are booing him. Yeah, but. yeah. But, I mean, I uh, I love him. I like Luger a lot, too. I do, too. But Hayes, is he's got the energy, man. I'm into the energy, man. We head to the back. Sting's there with Lance Russell, and Sting... Literally just says, I can't wait to get out there, and then runs off. Like, super coked up Sting? <laughs> I'd say so. Cause okay, because like, I think it's this show, there's like a, co- a like very coked up Sting, which is like, ooh. Like, and then there's a show, I think there's a show after this, where Sting does like a promo, and he's like pretty chill, and you're like, oh, like Sting's not using tonight. <laughs> but like this, it's like, oh, he's like super, as the kids say, extra. It's like... <laughs> Sting is feeling himself. So we head off to our sixth match. We got Sting versus Iron Sheik with Rip Morgan in his corner for the NWA World Television Championship. Before the match starts, Morgan hits Sting, or at least that's what we're told because we don't actually see it. And then Sheik attacks with his flag before the bell. Sheik chokes with a cloth and rams Sting's head into the turnbuckle. Sheik's throwing right hands, but Sting starts no-selling, just asking for more. Oh, yeah. That Sting no sell. style, baby. <laughs> That's, this Sting no-sell. But no-selling for the Iron Sheik. I know Iron Sheik's. He's, he's kind of... He's had his time. He's past his prime. He's past his prime, but he's still, he's still a little, like... A little ball of muscle. Sting grabs Sheik's headdress, starts choking him with it, and then delivers a clothesline with it. Teddy Long's back out. We get a oh. gut wrench suplex by Sheik for a near fall, followed by a clothesline. All of a sudden, Sting kicks and starts choking Sheik before tossing him into the corner, followed by a stinger splash. Locks on the Scorpion Deathlock, and, and Sheik submits. Yeah, it happened. We squatch know what it's match. for. We know what it's for. And it's a, a squash match over somebody that like everybody knows who Iron Sheik is. Just got to keep building up Sting. Yeah. Uh, what else? Is what, what else is there really? We got a say? sting match. But yeah, he he looked confident. He looked good. I'm sure he was like, it's a squash match, and I'm sure that him and Sheik probably were uh, passing lines back and forth before they went out there and did the job. Lance Russell in the back with Ricky Steamboat, and Steamboat says this is my most important match, and regardless of winner, he'll shake the hand of Ric Flair after the match, and we're headed to our seventh match. Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. So it's the middle of the card, though. There's so many more matches later in the show. Is there more matches? They tell us that there's so many, like, at the beginning of the show. They told us that, too, at the the Clash of the Champions. At the beginning of the show. It's like, oh, what about the Road Warriors match? Isn't the Road Warriors match supposed to headline it? Maybe. We'll find out. Flair comes out with 46 ladies. <laughs> yeah, six for him and uh, 40 behind them or in front of them. To me, it just sounded like a fun night in the Flair yeah. household. JR gets uh, hard on flustered for sure. Little Dragon is on a pony. Oh, <laughs> he totally is on a pony. And then the judges of Luthez. He also has, he has little, he has like little sequin, like white jacket with little red sequins. And he's got like a little tiny sequin guitar too, because it's Wrestle War. 
The dragon does. Little dragon. Oh, did he? Yeah, it's I like really, the, it's really tiny. It. It's just kind of like strung around him. But you know, you saw his little jacket, but there's like a little white and red guitar, like as well. Nice. It's, it's super cute. Judges are announced to the crowd of Luthez, Pat O'Connor, and Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. And the match starts. We get Flair running the ropes. Steamboat takes him over with a hip toss and an arm drag takeover. A slap fest between the two men. We get a woo. We're told that the refs will be give, giving updates, or the judges will be giving updates on their score every 15 minutes. The flare with multiple chops. Steamboat starts retaliating with chops of his own. Back body dropped by Ricky, and Nature Boy rolls out to the floor. Dragon's working on Flair's arm, and then another arm drag takeover into an arm lock. We get some amateur style moves with a natch step toe hold, and then a reversal into a hammer lock by Steamboat. Flair with multiple forearms to Ricky's head, followed by more chops, but again the dragon comes back with chops of his own, and we get a flare flop. Steamboat continues to work on the arm, but Nature Boy picks Ricky up and sets him on top on the top turnbuckle. Flair charges into the corner, but the dragon leapfrogs him and delivers more chops, a hip toss, and a drop kick that sends Natch to the floor. Reversed Irish whip and another arm drag takeover for Ricky to continue to work on the arm. Steamboat's running the ropes, Flair delivers a hip toss and goes for the running knee drop, but the dragon moves and hits another arm drag takedown. And we're 15 minutes into this match, and all three judges have Steamboat ahead. Flair with shoulder tackles into the corner, begins working over Ricky. Flair tosses the dragon from the ring, but Steamboat is right back in, delivering chops and mounted punches. An Irish whip to the opposite corner for the Flair flip, but Nature Boy doesn't make it over, and he's stuck in a tree of woe. Flair throws Ricky over the top rope, but no DQ because it wasn't deliberate. Sure looked like it was, though. <laughs> yeah. Nature Boy on the apron stomps on Steamboat's neck. More damage done on the outside with a chop that sends the dragon over the guardrail, and then an elbow to the throat. We get a chop fest, so Ugh. Flair tries to run away and rolls into the ring. And Ricky comes off the top rope with a chop to the head for another Flair flop. These guys, like, chop fest is probably the best chop fest in like just all the, of wrestling but, yeah between like rick flair and steamboat like they seriously like have a pact before they're like yo to just fucking do it because they are so loud even with this these this poor miking <laughs> like and they all hurt and it's i feel like it's part of what makes part of what makes this rivalry so intense yeah like all these matches are like super well laid out they're very smart they're very well done these guys are fucking professionals but those chops just like add that extra layer and they really they're a really cornerstone of the trilogy steamboat face plants nature boy and then tosses him into the corner for a flare flip where natch runs to the next corner but is clotheslined by a judo chop of ricky snapmare and back to the armbar to work on flare's arm the dragon is running the ropes, goes for a crossbody, but Natch ducks, sending Steamboat to the floor. Flair with elbows, chops, slingshots Ricky into the ring, followed by a running knee drop, and then flings Steamboat off the ropes. We get a back suplex and multiple near falls for Nature Boy. Another running knee drop, double underhook suplex, an elbow drop, multiple two counts. Steamboat's running the ropes, ducks a clothesline, comes back with a Thez press, but Nature Boy catches him and drops him throat first onto the ropes. Flair then drags the dragon to the outside 
and a, hits a vertical suplex on the floor. Oof. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Also, it's always surprising when Flair catches anybody. Not that he's like not a strong guy, but like it's just not really a Flair. He's not. Flair yeah, he's, he's not. He's not. Guy. He's not fucking Lex Luger. You yeah. know what I mean? He's not even P.S. Hayes like big. We get a judges update. It's now two to one for Flair. Though JR says it's 4-2 Steamboat because each de- update is its own round. Yeah, but I don't... Which, it made no sense what JR was saying. So it was like, yeah, it doesn't work for me, but... It seems like the judges have decided that Flair is now the winner, not that it's 4-2 Steamboat. It made no sense. No, but it's okay. Nature Boy goes to bring Ricky in with another vertical suplex, but Steamboat floats over and rolls Flair up with a schoolboy pin attempt. Natch running the ropes, ducks a clothesline, comes back with a crossbody that sends both men over the ropes to the floor. Flair rolls Ricky in and goes to the top rope, but the dragon meets him there and press slams him to the mat. Double punches, chops, mounted punches, an Irish whip to the corner, back body drop, all by Steamboat. Nature Boy with a kick and a back suplex, but Ricky floats over and rolls Flair up with a small package for a two count. That Dragon lifts Natch up on the top turnbuckle and hits a superplex. Steamboat goes to lock in the double chicken wing, but Flair gets his foot on the ropes. A double chicken wing. He's been working on that arm all match long. Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, we remember this. It's the double chicken wing. It means a lot. Because he had to say, he had to say out loud that he gave up. Ricky slams Nature Boy's head on the turnbuckle and then climbs to the top rope for a chop to the head. Again to the top rope, but Flair falls hitting the ropes, which causes the dragon to fall off to the floor, hurting his leg. Nature Boy starts working on that leg, stalling vertical suplex to bring Steamboat back into the ring, jerking on the leg, and locks on the figure four. Ricky makes it to the ropes to force the hold to be broken, but Nature Boy continues to work over that leg. Flair has hold of it and is wailing away at the knee. Steamboat's hitting chops until he finally hits an insiguri. Ricky picks Nature Boy up, hits a scoop slam, but Flair cradles the leg to pull himself on top for the pin and, and the win. win. And, and new! For the sixth Oof. time. For the sixth, sixth time. time. Which, like, does that put him at the most? He now ties Luthez and Harley Race. Oh, okay. For NWA title. Title, rights. yeah, yeah. So post-match... Nature Boy shakes and raises Steamboat's hand, and JR is in the ring to interview him. Flair says, Steamboat's the greatest champion I've ever faced. And all of a sudden, Terry Funk's there. He interrupts to congratulate Flair, and everyone seems kind of annoyed that yeah. Funk's there. It's like, like, get out of here. Like, this is not all right, cool. For you. Yeah, cool, thanks. Like, even JR is like, all right, all right cool. Terry. Yeah, he doesn't even do the thing where it's like, all right, you're done now. And then he like comes back and he's like, oh yeah, congrats again, champ, or whatever. Like he works himself back in onto the microphone. And he basically challenges Flair. And Flair kind of Flair responds, "We have a top ten. You're not that in the it. champion is obligated to wrestle, but you've been in Hollywood with Sylvester Stallone. What Sylvester Stallone movie did we do? I'm aware of like. I thought he was in Roadhouse. Roddy with... Piper. Oh, is he in Roadhouse? Well, that's not Sylvester Stallone. I know that's not Sylvester Stallone, but I can't think of what Stallone movie he was in. Yeah. Either way, he didn't. He didn't. At least they live. Funk then says, "You're saying I'm not good enough." Flair's like, "You're not, not in the not top, top ten. ten. Yeah, it's like it's not you're not good enough. It's like you've been in Hollywood. 
So Funk's, Funk's like, oh, just kidding about challenging you. Goes to shake Sorry, his champ. hand. Sorry, champ, yeah. Goes to shake his hand. Funk lays out Nature Boy with a left hand, throws him from the ring, starts attacking him on the outside, slamming him face first into the judges' table. Oh, yeah. And then pile drives him on the table. Yeah, it's not a gimmick table. It does not break. It does not break. It looks nasty. His head is actually does hit the table. Yeah, it's gross. It is not a protected pile driver. It's also it's also the Terry Funk pile driver where it's like the fall back. Yeah. Where it's like the, it's it's just not the safest pile driver anyway, Terry Funk style. But like Nature Boy's head is very exposed, and it could have easily killed him. And as like he's laying on the laying on the floor from the pile driver, Funk has tossed the table on top of him. He's wilding out. Grabs a chair. Ends up hitting Flair in the head with the chair. Funk then goes over to JR and look at him now. He said I wasn't good enough. And he calls him a horse horse tooth banana nose jerk. <laughs> and I thought that was uh, <laughs> like pretty brutal and very funny. It's like horse tooth, I get it. Banana nose, mm, I mean Flair's got but he doesn't have a nice nose. He's got a big noggin. Yeah, big, 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 big schnoz. But like, yeah, horse tooth, banana nose jerk was very funny to me. So we go to the back. Joe Petticino is back there with Nikita Koloff. With those that sick Nikita Koloff, that new haircut. He's got like the, what is that, the OU guy? That had all the... the oh, the Brian Bosworth. He's got the boz. He's got the boz. A lot of people have the boz at this point, but he's got quite the boz. And Koloff's in a referee shirt. So I guess he's going to be the referee. And Koloff says he will not be intimidated by anyone. Yeah, that's basically all he says. And then we're headed off to an eighth match? Yeah, I was. I didn't think we'd get there. The Varsity Club of Mike Rotunda and Dr. Death Steve Williams with Kevin Sullivan in their corner versus the Road Warriors of Hawk and Animal with Paul Ellery in their corner with Nikita Koloff as a special guest referee for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. And Varsity Club has cheerleaders in the ring while they're being announced. Yeah. But this also means the champions are announced first. Foreshadowing? Uh, Also, we didn't talk about the... There's more pyro on this show. We actually get, like, pyro. Yeah, like, pyro Or, like, somebody will come in and be, like, the fireworks that are on the floor that, like, fountain up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think there's like some good, like the good one. There's some also the good like falling fireworks. Well, some good stuff. So as the match starts, Road Warriors attack Varsity Club as soon as they're in the ring, and the fireworks are still going off. All four men brawling when Hawk gives a clothesline to Williams and Animal a big boot to Rotunda. Doctor Death's going to throw a punch in the corner when Koloff blocks it, and Sullivan jumps up on the apron and starts yelling at Nikita. And Sullivan is thrown out from ringside. Hell yeah. You know who we all hate? Kevin Sullivan. Fuck yeah, we hate Kevin Sullivan. Who do we all love? The Road Warriors. We all have Nikita Koloff, too. Animal's running the ropes, hits a clothesline on Williams. Dr. Death again has Animal in the corner, and Koloff is trying to break them apart. Williams is arguing that Nikita threatens to throw him out, too. Nikita's no intimidation. No intimidation. How could you? He's Nikita fucking Koloff. Rotunda tosses Animal to the ropes, leapfrogs him, and hits a dropkick before coming off the top rope with a crossbody. But Road Warrior catches him, power slams, and clotheslines him. 
Dr. Death with some right hands on Hawk misses a clothesline, but picks him up for a scoop slam and attempts a running elbow drop. Dr. Death rolls out of the ring, but Hawk follows, hitting a flying clothesline from the apron. Williams is getting back to his feet when Hawk tries to hit a clothesline, but Dr. Death moves. Posted. That's my new thing when somebody hits a ring post. We do like, it's like the, like a UPN late night, like cops type show or like cheaters. We do like the stamp. So it's like stamp posted. Rotunda rolls, runs over and slams Hawk's shoulder into the ring post before William starts twisting his arm around the guardrail. Dr. Death with the Irish whip, but is reversed and both men hit a clothesline for a double KO. Hawk is able to make it to his corner for the hot tag. Animal ducks a rotunda clothesline, hitting an inverted atomic drop. Drop kick on Mike, elbow to Williams, flying shoulder block to rotunda, goes for the pin, and Dr. Death pulls Animal off. Boo. All four men in the ring with Hawk beating on Williams. Rotunda is going for a clothesline, but Animal ducks and Mike goes flying to the floor. Smush double clothesline by the Road Warriors on Dr. Death. Animal lifts Williams to his shoulders. And Hawk comes off the top rope with a doomsday device, and Animal makes the cover. Nikita is making the count, and all of a sudden, Dan Spivey and Kevin Sullivan pull him out of the ring and begin to attack him. Koloff is fighting back. In the ring, the varsity club tosses Animal to the ropes, hits a double clothesline. Everybody's brawling. There's too much going on for you. It's like, I don't know. Hawk with a big boot to Williams. Animal mounted punches to Rotunda. The bell finally rings. Yeah. And the Road Warriors have won by disqualification. You know what the worst last name in wrestling might be? Dan Dan Spivey. Danny Spivey. Dangerous, dangerous Danny Spivey. Spivey is such a terrible last name. Make something up, bud. Like, Spivey is... I, I hate saying it. I hate looking at it. It's just like, think of a better last name than Spivey. <laughs> it's such a weird rant to go on. I hate it. I don't know why, but it just bothers me. It's like bad name change the name even if it's your like shoot name your kids deserve better last names spivey sucks i have friends named spivey that sucks and they should change their shoot name so we're headed off to our ninth match the first family of hot stuff eddie gilbert and rick steiner with missy hyatt versus the varsity club didn't we didn't we just see these guys yeah this happened (laughs) Oh, wait, it's the other two guys. It's Games Master Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, he got kicked out. And Dan, and Dan Spivey, Spivey. Who was just out there. For the NWA United States Tag Team Championship. And why is this so, one headlining? So not, e- <laughs> not even- only are there two tag matches after the world title match, but the U.S. Tag Team Championship yeah. is after the world Tag Team Championship. You know, I have a theory about this. What is your theory? My theory is... That they wanted to make sure that the funk stuff got on television. It's a pay-per-view, though. Yeah, but like you still get a certain amount of time with pay-per-view. Okay. So I feel like if they put that last, then they were worried that maybe like the match would go on too long, or like earlier matches might, you know, time constraints. There they still exist, but I feel like maybe the funk stuff is so very very important that they just were like, okay, we need people to see this so you're saying that they should have given SWAT team and 
dynamic dynamic dudes less time i'm saying that no matter what we know or, the nwa is ill prepared so cut, they were making sure or that, cut the murdoch or I, I i'm with you matt but i'm just saying that my theory makes is is understandable it makes sense what you're saying but that's the only reason i can think of why you wouldn't want to end like nowadays you'd want to end you would want to end with that fun pile driver of course you would because i feel that like goes, that goes Oh yeah. The only reason happened? the only reason I feel like that there's an excuse for this to be third billing is if they were scared that they couldn't get that in because that post match stuff is extremely important. Or maybe Kevin Sullivan's the Booker. Well, we know Kevin Sullivan's the Booker. Himself as the main event. We know he's the Booker, but like I guess he's just since he's the Booker. Good point. Fuck you for having a good point. But you would think somebody would be like Kevin. What the fuck? You would think so. You're not Ric Flair. Like, Ric Flair could be like, hey, Kevin, what the fuck? You would think. That's true. Because these wrestlers, like, those senior wrestlers have a lot of say. This match was also supposed to have another stipulation. It was supposed to be a hair versus hair match of Sullivan versus Gilbert. Like, yeah. Like, their hairs were on the line. Is this the one where they're but like... But the board of directors, directors didn't like, allow it. Because it was a title match? Or AKA, something? neither man wanted to do a job, basically. Yeah, it's like That's, hair versus hair match doesn't work if there's if there's, if there's more than two people in the ring, like if, in a tag yeah, match. It has to be a singles match. You would think. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, it didn't make any sense. But the champions are announced first, foreshadowing, bum, bum, bum. and also the board of directors are discussing the conduct of the varsity club from the previous match because they attacked Koloff. So Sullivan and Gilbert start arguing, and it quickly breaks down into everyone brawling. The games master starts chasing Missy Hyatt around the ring. He, he has this chasing women thing down to a team. Yeah. One thing I did notice on this show, moderately related, but there's lots of camera shots of like the pretty girls in the in the crowd. Oh, is the director getting better? <laughs> well, uh, it's just funny because it's like they do a lot of those shots, but it's always like it's always a pretty girl. It's never, like, a pretty girl or somebody that has a sign that says, like, NWA number one, WWF, like, number two, <laughs> or whatever. But, yeah, I thought it was really funny. Spivey's running Steiner shoulder first in the ring post, and then a shoulder breaker to leave Rick laying on the floor. Oh, he does that, like, where he's got him kind of, like, in a pile driver type yeah. down thing. Yeah, and he does the shoulder spot. The posted. Gilbert with mounted punches in the ring. Hot Stuff sends Sullivan to the corner, charges in, but the Games Master gets a boot up. Hyatt's checking on Steiner, who is in a lot of pain. Yeah, he's in a shitload of pain. That posted... Uh, posted shot, that man. Posted, that posted, that was some of the most... He sold that post. Sullivan with the cheap shot to Steiner while he's trying to make his way to the apron. Spivey's in the ring with Gilbert, tries for a slam, but Hot Stuff floats over to escape and delivers some right hands. More brawling on the floor after Gilbert checks on Steiner. And Sullivan runs Rick's shoulder into the ring post again. Spivey slams Hot Stuff's head into the turnbuckle and the varsity club is working over Gilbert. Sullivan drags Hot Stuff to his corner to taunt that he doesn't have anyone to tag in. And he like, takes him over and he's like, tag someone in. Tag him in. Yeah, just do it. There's somebody there, right? Spivey with a double arm chokehold followed by a drop kick on Gilbert. Dangerous Danny has hot stuff up in an overhead backbreaker rack, but Gilbert flips over and hits a back body drop. Steiner has finally made his way to the apron, and then we get a knee lift by Sullivan, side slam, big boot by Spivey, 
which leaves hot stuff dangling over the second rope for Games Master to kick him in the head. Just Gil- kick him in the head. Gilbert gets away from Solomon by crawling through his legs to make the hot, hot tag. tag. But the ref doesn't see it and is trying to get Steiner out of the ring. Games Master has hot stuff lined up for a pile driver when Rick hits a Steiner line. And Gilbert lands on top for the pin and the win. Post-match, Spivey hits Steiner with a chair while Sullivan attacks Gilbert. Missy Hyatt's trying to roll hot stuff out of the ring when the Games Master grabs her and brings her back into the ring. The Games Master is a real creep. Gilbert's up, has the chair, swings and hits the turnbuckle as Sullivan ducks and escapes the ring. So I feel like there's a good chance that Steiner actually had a legitimate injury. Yeah, because they, he doesn't do anything in this match. Like, so I think he was the only thing he does is hits the Steiner. Yeah, line. he probably had like a fucked up ankle or something like that. And they're like, okay, we'll we'll just sell the shoulder. Like the biggest heel of the show, the ring post. Ring post. Yeah, it's like I need a ring post versus Teddy Long. <laughs> it's Starcade 1990 or 89. We already did Starcade 89, right? No, we haven't got there yet. Oh, okay, yeah. I always forget what time of the year it is, but it's like Thanksgiving, so. I think the ring post wins. Against Teddy Long? Yeah. I mean, Teddy we'll Long see, already... We'll, we'll on see the, some weak ass on the plus the side, show. On the plus side, Teddy Long is already missing his front teeth. That's true. He is missing. So what can, the post, no hair. what can the post really take from him? His dignity. <laughs> JR and Bob recap the evening, and they let us know that Rotunda and Williams have been stripped of the World Tag Team Championships due to the interference from the rest of the Varsity Club. I don't have any much to say about that. It's like, it's not on screen, so it doesn't really mean much. You know what I mean? Necessarily saying mean a lot, but like... It, they tell us, and it yeah. means something, but... but where's the... Really. Where, yeah, where's the promo? Where's the moment where they like... It's a... Where they pull the rug out from under them? Uh, when they just tell us, it's, uh, it's... It's fine. I guess it's also one of the things where NWA... Wrestling's a sport. It's not sports entertainment. So these are the rules. The athletic commission's there because this is real wrestling. That's right. JR and Bob say their goodbyes, and we get a highlight photo package from the evening with music. Hell yeah. I love a highlight package. Michael Temple, overall thoughts? It's good. You like this show? Yeah, you like the show too, right? It's all right. It's a one-match show. So is the last show. I think I liked Clash better. I'm trying to think. Muda, of the, the, Muda, the, the Muda match was probably better. The first Muda match was probably better, but this one wasn't bad. Obviously, it was supposed to be JYD. Granted, we're lucky it wasn't JYD. I still like the SWAT. I think the SWAT team. You think the SWAT team match here is better or worse? Uh, it's kind of a about the, about the same. About the like same. they're still good. I'm not saying that it's like great. Yeah. But- I mean the Hayes Hayes Luger match is that the second best match? Oh yeah, that ma- I love that match. I like it a lot. Yeah, but I like Hayes a lot, and I like Luger more than I thought. I would. Luger being somebody that is not super familiar with Luger. The two the two tag matches at the end are more storyline. They're not really like yeah matches. So they're just like... not a bad. They're not a great place for that. Like they just. Are they more or less, the two tag matches, or less exciting than the bull rope match? They're better because of the people that are there, right? Because of the people involved? Kind of don't care about any of them. 
No, the hanging. The, I mean, like the hanging. The hanging is more like, the more impressive moment <laughs> because yes, this definitely is. But I mean, I would say this is a two match show with a third performance. There's two good matches and then a mood performance. Who steals the show? Terry Funk kind of steals the show. I mean, yeah, because <laughs> that angle is tight. That it's, angle is it's hot. It's hot. It's super good. Hot, it's yeah. super hot. It's super good. It's executed very well. It even feels uncomfortable and weird, and then you don't really expect it. You're like, is he going to do something? He's not going to do something. Because Terry feels, Funk is this, weird this anyway. This feels different He's, than yeah. anything really done before. Uh-huh. Like, we are doing an angle at yes. the end of something to set up the next thing, angle the up. Next thing yeah. up. Yeah, and like, but Terry Funk is very, like, it seems like, oh, it's Terry Funk. Like, people know who he is. Uh, let's have him here. Blah, blah, blah. You believe that. Well, the, I, I didn't even go into any of the, like... So, Funk had actually been doing some commentating on... Oh, really? Yeah. So, that people kind of got used, used to him. They weren't being, used... They, they may have not known who he was. Yeah. He's being a face on yeah. TV as a as a color commentary. So, everyone's all like... When he probably gets in the ring, everyone's just kind of like, Oh, Funk's He's the there. commentator, he's, yeah. He's, he's just... That's how nice even I felt, and, and then he like got kind of weird, and I was like, "Is he gonna do something?" And I was like, "Nah, he's not gonna do something." I was like, "He's gonna do something," but then he does more than you'd ever expect. Exactly. With that disgusting pile driver, and I'm glad it didn't kill Ric Flair, because it easily could have legitimately broke Ric Flair's neck. Also, a thing they talk about that, I mean, we all are aware of it, but we never, when we think of Ric Flair, we never think about Ric Flair gotten like a plane wreck one time. Yeah, back in the '70s. He was in a plane wreck yeah, but and the basically pla- broke his back. Yeah, it's like that plane wreck's not kayfabe, right? No, it's real. It's real. Yeah, and it's one of those things like you would think. I mean, it's one of those deals like you don't want to overuse it or whatever, but it's one of those things you don't think about when you think of Ric Flair. No. I feel like even like this time period that we've watched up to of Ric Flair is not even what a lot of people think about when they think of Ric Flair. Most no, most people yeah. now like they think. I would say nineties. I yeah, I would say eighty nine, like eighty nine and nineties. But like, I mean, your your old school wrestling fans. They think eighty nine is the year. the year they think of Flair because I mean, he has so many good matches in nineteen eighty nine. Eighty nine might be the best year of wrestling altogether. <laughs> like right now, the matches that that count, the matches that like we're. The amazing matches are so fucking good. And they're all Ric Flair matches, and it's crazy. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, Ric Flair before... We've watched a lot of Ric Flair matches doing this. And they've always been good. But he's, like, really hitting the stride right now with these, like, epic matches that are so intelligent and, like, well-worked with other... Top quality. With other top, quali- the other top quality guys. Yeah. And, like, they're really going out there and doing the thing and these are matches that i would show somebody that was like oh, i'm not really like i don't like wrestling i'm like yeah but watch this and turn your brain on and like just like look at it it looks good so i got a question for you we've now had three we've had the trilogy we've seen the trilogy it's so hard to of choose steamboat flare matches it's hard to choose which i mean i'm asking you to choose shy town rumble clash six or this one? Maybe Chi-Town, because I didn't think he was going to win the belt. And it was like, man, that's hard. Because Chi-Town I liked a lot, and he like took that belt. But I, uh, Flair had had that really long match with Luger. 
And he had yeah. that really long match with Sting. Mm-hmm. And I think that I liked the Sting match more than I liked the Steamboat one. But after these three Steamboats, I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm prepared to answer this question right now because they're all very, very good and they're all intelligently done. And like, I don't really have any complaints with any of them. Like, there's the the under the ring, under the rope thing. Yeah. And the shoulder up. Shit happens. It gets a pass from me. See, I like the under the rope thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, the. I think universally, I think this match, the third match here at Wrestle War. I mean, it's the, it's the fever pitch match. Is considered the best. Of the three, but that but that two or three falls with the chicken, the chicken wing spot. That's that's the one for me. I'm yeah, like I think that might be my favorite. And then that's the same, or no, this is the one where uh, he keeps working Ricky's leg, and he does the scoop, but he can't fucking finish it. So Rick falls for the pin, which is also great because it's out of nowhere. And I thought this match was gonna go on longer. Yeah. So it was like it still upended my expectations. But I would say it's a toss-up between two and three, but I'm leaning two. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. But, man, like, the the pin out of nowhere on this is super hot. And I was like, threw my arms up, shook my head, and I was like, oh, my God, I wasn't ready for it. Because there's nothing better than, like, a big match like that. Because a lot of times you get big matches, but you know when it's over even before the count starts because they got they did their move or like the time yeah. has come and you're like you just feel it and you're like no but whenever it's out of nowhere like that and sometimes you know you'll get it's the like you'll get RKO. you'll get the big kick out but like this it was like legitimately like like that it's like oh his leg was hurt we all know that because they've been doing it for 40 minutes and then he falls on top of him and the other guy, and you know, Steamboat's surprised, and the pin goes through, and it's, and it's kind of a beautiful moment. So, like I said, probably two or three, lean in two. But uh, everybody should watch all three of these matches. Like, a- afternoon, your uh, your significant other it's is a good at the, couple hours. Your significant the significant others at the grocery store. Yeah, or maybe you can. Your significant other actually will be willing to watch wrestling with you, but you. Watch these three matches in a day, in an afternoon, take a break, order a pizza, eat half of it. This is a good time. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So other than the Steamboat Flare match, are the, what are some other good moments on this show? Lex PS, baby. They, have, they, wrote, they wrote two songs for me. In their promos, and then they and then they came together in the ring to do a uh, wonderful ballet for the people. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the second best match. I mean, it's right? the second best match, definitely. I mean, I, I think we both love Luger and Hayes's promos, and then they went out and put on a pretty good match. I, I'm not going to say it's it, it's not my favorite Luger match. No, that I've but seen, like it's really good. And the thing it's is, still like, really good. Luger is. Only getting better in the ring, better with promos, better with the face work. P.S. Hayes can do that shit all fucking day, but he can also work in the ring well enough. But his, like, exaggerations, his acting gets the crowd hot. Like, he really does pull it out of them 
in a kind of like a like more goofy he's kind of like a lovable macho man it's like we all love macho man but macho man's not very lovable he's not goofy in the same way but he is like he like his persona is well put together and like the guy goes out there and he is michael psa macho man goes out there and he is macho man randy savage rick flair goes out there and he's rick flair we all kind of think that that might just be rick flair Oh, that's not a gimmick. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like we know that Macho Man's a gimmick, but Macho Man's not a gimmick at the same time. Yeah, and like that's kind of P.S. Hayes is in that same kind of deal. I feel like he's just kind of the more like scruffy, lovable of those three guys because he's like he's very likable. Macho Man, you like him because he's awesome. Ric Flair, you like him because he's awesome. But P.S. Hayes, you like him and you like want to get a beer with him. I don't want a beer. I don't want to drink a beer with Macho Man Randy Savage. Sounds fucking terrifying. You scared my life. Yeah, and I don't want to get a beer with Ric Flair because he's going to be mean as fuck to me. PSAs, probably going to be a good guy. And I feel like that that's kind of where, that's one of the things that he like really does well there is he's on that level of being that character in ring and on the mic, but he's the guy you want to have a beer with. And I think that that's something we've kind of been missing with somebody that's of that quality persona-wise. Well, anything disappointing on this show? At first, I was very disappointed because they said uh, they even had a graphic for it, for JYD versus Muda. And then it started, and I was like, well, what the fuck would JYD do with Muda? I know. Like, Miss Moonsault out. I have no you know clue what yeah. that match would have looked like. Maybe he, maybe he would headbutt him, and Muda would no-sell it, and then miss right in his face. That would be worth it. <laughs> that would be worth it. <laughs> but, yeah. At first, I was kind of disappointed about that, and then I wasn't because... Homeboy did fine, which it wasn't hot stuff. It was a Gilbert, though. Yeah, it was hot stuff's brother. Well, yeah, I can't remember his first name. Though. Doug. Doug. Nobody's name should be Doug, unless it's Doug the cartoon character. Disappointing for me, you put two tag matches after yeah. the hottest angle. Yeah, you I could run. I agree with that. I was how you, don't, how you don't end the show. I was basically that. done with the show after that match and I assumed it was going to be over and I was like, oh, it's not. I think the crowd may have been done with it as well. No, they, yeah, you can see some uh, people had left or whatever. But I think that they just did that timing-wise, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. I could That's the only thing I, that I, I, I could make sense I would of. love to be able to find Well, you know, it would, make, it would be different if, like, if they had the Road Warriors match afterwards because the Road Warriors are hot shit. And you have that quick match, and it'd be fine. But but two back to back really is a murder, especially two varsity. Like it made no, and, yeah. and also the and fact, Kelvin Sullivan the, was the just fact, out the there. The fact that Kevin Sullivan and Dan Spivey were out there beating up Nikita, they went back to the the locker room and then came back and out. then came back out. Yeah. Like what? Like why aren't you just in the ring? It was too much. Basically, you can turn the show off when the when Funk is done funking like, it up. Literally, just watch the Flair Flair steam that match. Lex, I like Lex, but it's not best, best performer of the night. Are we going Flair or Steamboat tonight? What if I pull pull a crazy one and say I can't say Funk because that's unacceptable and bullshit. Uh, I don't know. I, I I mean he, but he didn't he didn't put in the time. Those guys put in the time, so it's disrespectful from that. It's like oh well, these guys actually performed. He had his moment. He performed, but he didn't do any like competition performance. So it's like ah, that's not fair. But these two guys, they're so, they both do so great together. And it's, yeah. it's one of these things, it's like, oh, Flair is better at this thing, and we know what that thing is. And Steamboat is better 
in the ring, technically. He's technically better in the ring. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's kind of up to you. And I would say, I'm going to go the lame guy thing and say... It's both it's, of them. It's, it's both of them. Like, they're both so great. Only these two guys can have... And, like, you can say that about even two guys that suck, but, like, these guys don't suck, so it means something. Anything surprising on the show? Surprising they didn't tell me what happened with Teddy Long, but you were here for me. Well, I mean, they told it. I mean, obviously it's on TV, but once again, they they should tell people more of what's going... I wish they would have... Teddy Long came out to the ring yes. enough times... Yes, they that should like, have said it on commentary. They should have said, oh, he must be... He well, must be scouting talent. Yes. Like, literally, that's what he was doing. We could tell what he was doing. He was scouting ta- Like, just like, tell us that. Yeah. That- and they could just recap it, like, in the middle of one of the fucking six fucking I mean, tag matches. The Road Warriors match probably should have been earlier in the night. That probably would have helped. I mean, honestly, the Road Warriors match should have been right before the last match. And the only reason they put a match after it, I think, is so they had a reason for the whole... The belts got held up. They had time to like, but it would have been better if they would have just done it in the ring. Been like, oh, we're um, holding these belts up because they do something I mean, similar it's hard. in it's, another it's, in another yeah, show. It's kind of hard to bitch because these NWA shows are getting better and smarter. But what are we here to do? But bitch, what do wrestling fans do, Matt? We bitch. We bitch. Why do we bitch? Because, because we we're can. bitches. No, I mean, yeah, I guess because we can. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Luthez was the NWA champion for over six years and kept a very busy schedule, bouncing around to all of the member territories. This schedule and the booking of the champion was one of the most important duties of the NWA president. Sam Mushnick was the second president of the organization and would have the longest reign. Mushnick, born in 1905, grew up in St. Louis, formed a friendship with Tom Pax, the Midwest's top sports promoter. He would serve as Pax's right-hand man for nine years until he left to form his own organization. When he first started, he was forced to use veterans way past their prime as Pax still employed the top talent, including Luthez. But after helping form the NWA, Mushnick's promotion would begin to outdraw and would eventually buy out Pack's promotion. In 1950, Sam Mushnick would be named the new president. The presidency was difficult as it was an extremely political job. Every promotion wanted the champion all of the time. While they were all working together, the political jockeying was constant, but Mushnick would help the NWA become the dominant governing body in pro wrestling. Mushnick would end his second term in 1960 but then would be reinstalled as president three years later and serve another 12 years till 1975 before finally retiring. He would be inducted into the NWA, Wrestling Observer Newsletter, and Professional Wrestling Hall of Fames for his incredible work to build upon the NWA. But even with all the good Mushnick did, there was controversies along the way. Next week, Great American Bash 1989. Hell yeah. Are you ready for the bash? Dude, I was born to bash. Born to bash. I was born to great American bash. My head in against the wall. Will it be the glory days for the NWA? I, I totally blanked on the chorus, but I wanted to sing that really great. Glory, glory days. days. Bam, bam, nah, nah. 
I don't know the rest of the yeah, it all blanked glory days. And I'm the bigger Bruce fan, I believe. Uh, you were definitely the bigger yeah. Bruce fan. Well, it's never too late. So the music from this week's show, other than Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> no, that's for the next one. Is the theme song from Wrestle War '89, and Hot Stuff by Donna Summer, as it was the theme song for Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. Was it? it was. And that's the end of the show. <laughs> and he was the winner of the. What's fucked up is like we didn't get to hear it, but like Hot Stuff, baby. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. I'm really glad that we They're get to play. Pay for it for the no, network. I'm just really glad we get to play a song that's fucking cool, as opposed to like Derringer. Instead of Rick Derringer all you the time. Some therapy. I'm even tired of that one. <laughs> like, I want. Yeah, it's like we got to play. Come on, you know, every time that song comes on, you go, yes, Rick Flair. I mean, yeah. It gets you. That happens. Up. It doesn't get me pumped. It gets me so Not pumped like Hot Stuff. That's a great song. And Eddie Gilbert's kind of fine. He's like, he's fine. If you like the show, you can always rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or just wherever you find your podcast app. Give us those five stars or no stars. Five stars or no stars. Tell everyone how much you like us. And if you don't like us, you're probably not listening to this at this point. No, of course not. And if you ever want to send us a message, you can always email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. Wrestling, H-I-S-T-O-X. And we'll talk to you next week.